uh, once there was this uh, young married lady who was leaving this convenience store with an espresso in hand. And, and as she was leaving the store there, she noticed outside there was this uh, most unusual funeral procession. And what she saw there was this black hearse that was followed by a second black hearse, about 50 feet behind the first one. And behind the second hearse, there was a solitary old woman walking this dog on a leash. And then behind her, a short distance back, was about 200 women walking in single file. So the young woman, she curious about it. She couldn't stand anymore. She goes up to the old lady walking the dog and she respectfully asked her, she said, excuse me, ma'am, I'm sorry for your loss and maybe this is a bad time to disturb you, but I've never seen a funeral like this before. Uh, Whose funeral is it? And the old lady responded, she said, it's it's my husband's. And the young woman said, oh, oh, uh, what, what happened to him? And the old woman responded, he yelled at me and my dog attacked and killed him. So the young lady, she was a little, yeah, startled at this and But she inquired further and asked again. She goes, okay, what about the the second hearse there? And the old woman responded. She said, well, that's my mother-in-law. She she was trying to help my husband when the dog turned on her and killed her too. Yeah. And in a very touchy moment that only apparently two women can share, uh, the young woman whispered to the old lady, can I borrow the dog? (laughs) And the old lady responded, get in line. Man, come on, ladies, that's messed up. You know what I'm saying? Last week, you laughed at a pig with a wooden leg. Now it's getting lined. Okay, But anyway, that's right. Seriously, folks, believe it or not, as messed up as that joke is, right, men? Yeah, whatever. Uh, uh, believe it or not, folks, those uh, 200 ladies and apparently a whole bunch in this congregation are not the only ones who are going to be getting in line for a funeral one day. The Bible says, believe it or not, the whole planet is going to be getting in line for a funeral during the seven-year tribulation. Only this one's not going to be caused by some mangy old dog. It's going to be from the actual hand of Almighty God. And that all begins at the rapture of the church. And the reason why, folks, we've been seeing is such a horrible time frame is because for those who refuse to accept Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, they're going to be catapulted into the seven-year tribulation. And that is not a joke. As we've been seeing, folks, it's an outpouring of God's wrath on this wicked and rebellious planet. And Jesus said it's a time of greater horror this world has ever seen or will ever see again. And that unless God shorten that time frame, the entire human race will be completely wiped out. You don't want to be there. Okay. And, and, and but we see him, praise God, God's not just a God of wrath, he's a God of love as well. And because he loves you and I, his creation, okay, he's given us so many warning signs in the Bible to show us, to tell us so that we would know when the tribulation is near and the second coming of Jesus Christ was rapidly approaching. And so in order for you and I here at sunrise, okay, to keep us from experiencing the ultimate bad day of being left behind, even worse than getting in line, okay, we're going to continue in our study. The final countdown. We've already seen. John, you want, you want to just take over? Oh, he's back there. Nice try. I still, you want to go ahead and stand and just give the lowdown? Get up for John anyway. That's right. Put him on the spot. We've already seen the number 10 sign on the final countdown was the Jewish people. Number nine, modern technology. Number eight, worldwide upheaval. Any worldwide upheaval going on lately? In, number seven, the rise of falsehood. Number six, the rise of wickedness. Number five, the rise of apostasy. Number four, the rise of a one-world religion. And the last six times, that's right, the number three sign was the rise of a one-world government. And what we saw, folks, if you've been tracking with us in that study, is the Bible clearly says, God lovingly foretold you and I, when we see all the world's governments coming together as one, which is happening right now today before our very eyes. 
And we saw that with the chronological proof, the administration proof, the quotation proof, the tactical proof, the control proof, and last times with the monitor proof, the last three times. And what we saw is the Antichrist is not just going to control everything you do on the whole planet. He's going to monitor everything. It's going to be George Orwell's 1984 on steroids with this big brother type surveillance system that's going to detect any resistors and ensure that you don't get away in the time of slaughter. And we saw that he's already doing it with our information system, our communication system, our transportation system and last time uh, with our location system where he's even going to know exactly what you do what you say even if you try to hide out in your house how many guys after last week went out and tried to buy a really big giant fly swatter <laughs> that still ain't going to kill them you're going to have to get something you have to get a, something else okay folks they're not only monitoring us right now with our computer our tv even our weapons okay in our own home uh, but folks they got those miniature drones they look like birds they look like flies but they ain't Okay, for those of you hooked on incorrect English. Okay, it's going to be a horrible bloodbath. Uh, the point is this, don't go there. Don't be in that time frame. Okay, you need to accept Jesus Christ, your Savior now, uh, and escape the wrath to come. But that's not the second sign on the final countdown. We're getting there, folks, that God's lovingly given to you and I to wake us up before it's too late is the rise of a one-world economy. Is there any sign of our economies coming together as one? Folks, I need my chance, folks. The Bible prophesied this. 2,000 plus years ago, okay? Believe it or not, folks, the Bible is clear. One day this whole planet is not only going to be, as we saw the last six weeks, under the authority of the Antichrist. The Bible's very clear. The whole world is also going to be under his economy. He's not only going to create this society where he's going to monitor you, he's going to control all the money of you. That runs, but it's... How many of you guys like that? English there today. Mary, give me a break, help me. <laughs> That's right. He's going to control all the money, folks, but don't take my word for it. It's very clear in the Bible. Open your Bibles once again to the classic passage, Revelation 13. Revelation 13, our text again is uh, verses 11, this time to 17. Let's take a look there. Revelation chapter 13. Uh, if you find chapter 13, what do you do? Go to verse 11. All right. Verse 11, and we're once again talking about the beast out of the earth, okay, and the Antichrist, okay, you got the false prophet, he's working in cohorts with the Antichrist, and here's the society, folks, that we are headed towards, and they're going to pull off, and this, of course, is during the seven-year tribulation, and so again, the point is, as we're getting ready to read the text, if we see the signs of this coming to pass now, then how much closer, then, uh, is it towards the beginning of the seven-year tribulation? Okay, let's take a look at that text. Then I saw another beast, John says, coming out of the earth. And he had two horns like a lamb, but he spoke like a dragon. As we saw before, that means he's inspired by Satan. Okay. Uh, he exercised all the authority of the first beast, the Antichrist, on his behalf. And he made the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast, whose fatal wound had been healed. And he performed these great and miraculous signs, even causing fire to come down from heaven to earth in full view of men. And because of these signs, he was given power to do on behalf of the first beast. He deceived the inhabitants of the earth. Notice again, it's a global context. And here's what he did. He ordered them to set up an image in honor of the beast, the Antichrist, who was wounded by the sword and yet lived. He was given power to give breath to the image of the first beast so that it could speak and cause all who refused to worship the image to be what? Killed. Not only that, here it is. He also forced everyone, the whole planet, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on his right hand or his forehead. Why? So that no one could buy or sell. What do you need to buy and sell with? Money, okay, is the whole point of the passage. He had the mark. Unless you had the mark, you couldn't buy or sell, which is the name of the beast or the number of his name. 
Okay? And folks, we've been in this passage obviously several times. There's so much going on here. But according to the Bible, it's very clear, folks. It's common sense. There really is coming a day, like it, lump it, leave it or not, when all the inhabitants of the earth is not only going to be under the authority of the Antichrist, he's going to force you, make you do whatever he wants to do, okay? But he's all, we're also going to be under a society that's under his economy, his monetary system as well. You cannot buy, you cannot do anything uh, uh, with money without his permission, right? It says it right there, okay? The Bible says one day, believe it or not, this whole world is not just going towards a one world economy, but the text says it's going to be one that's actually satanically inspired, okay? And so that's the question we always need to be asking for today. How does it apply to today? Well, could this really happen? Could the whole world really be deceived into creating a one world economy for the Antichrist, apparently at one point, to hijack and take over for his evil purposes? And is there any evidence that it's taking place in our lifetime? Yeah, <laughs> watch the news. Where do you think we're headed, folks? It's common sense. And the first proof we know we're really headed for this one world economy that the Antichrist is going to hijack and take over on the whole planet is, again, the chronological proof. Folks, every single one of these, one world religion, one world government, and now with a one world economy, okay, this is not by chance. These guys have slowly, methodically been working on this for decades, okay? This one world economy isn't just uh, going to happen. It has to happen. We know it's going to happen because the Bible says so. But the point is this for you and I. Hey, folks, we don't even realize just how close they are to pulling this thing off. They're almost there. All the pieces are already in place. They're just waiting for, I would say, one more good crisis. Let's take a look at some of their work. Well, back in 1913, I could start before that, but I got to start somewhere. This is a watershed moment, uh, unfortunately, for you and I, the United States of America. And this is one of our first downfalls. That was 1913 when the Federal Reserve was created. Uh, it's neither federal nor reserve. It's owned by banks. Okay, it was planned at a secret meeting in 1910 on Jekyll Island, Georgia, by a group of bankers and politicians. This transferred power to create money from the American government to a private group of bankers, and it violates Article 1 of the Constitution, which says, Who? Congress shall have the power to coin money and regulate the value thereof, not banks. That's who's controlling of the economy, okay? That was the first nail in the coffin. Then in 1944, you're gonna see throughout these uh, topics, uh, one world religion, one world government, one world economy, World War II became an ultimate excuse to do things around the world that we've never seen before, and certainly with the economy. That's when you had the creation of the World Bank, uh, the world's biggest lender now. 1944, you also had the International Monetary Fund. They, they are the ones uh, who oversee the international finance system. 1944, you had the first of these kind of treaties. This one was called GATT. The General Agreement on Tariffs and Trade. This is what began to liberalize world trade. We're going to see more in our modern times. But each time this happens, it outsources our jobs and the control of our economy and our uh, output here in America to some foreign entity. Okay, and it locks us in globally. That was one of the first big ones in 1944. 1968, you had this Club of Rome. Is there going to be a revived Roman Empire in the... Yeah, they were formed, and this is a club of uh, economic world advisors to push us towards a one-world economy. Seven, 1973, the Trilateral Commission was formed by banker David Rockefeller for the purpose to develop a, a worldwide economic power. 1973, you had the birth of this entity. It's called SWIFT. That's the Society for Worldwide Interbank Finance, and this is a universal electronic banking system that transfers money transactions between uh, corporations and different countries to begin to tie them all together because we have different uh, monetary issues for now. It's going to go cashless. Lord willing, we'll see that in a couple of weeks. 1975, we did the Declaration of Interdependence, and uh, we signed it, which declares that our economy should be regulated by, guess who? Not us. 
You already gave it over to the banks. Now it's going to be de uh, defined by international authorities. 1979, smart card was first developed, believe it or not, way back then. That's the sign where it's going to go cashless, okay? And you're going to need to go cashless because ultimately it's headed towards a mark, okay, in two different places. So a, a, a society started producing cashless society. 1994 was the next big one. Okay, uh, after 50 years after GATT, you had NAFTA, the North American Free Trade Agreement between Canada, U.S., and Mexico. Again, we'll get to that more in detail, Lord will, next week. The World Trade Organization, 1995, that enforces the global trading rules, uh, even against America. 1999, the euro was born. That was a watershed event because you see a universal uh, currency formed for a multitude of different countries. Now, again, Lord willing, next week, we're going to get to that in great detail. You're going to see the Bible predicted that the planet will be split up into 10 different economic kingdoms. And this was the watershed event that started it. It's going crazy now. We'll get to that, Lord willing, next week. 2002, you had the first euro coins and banknotes go into circulation around the world. 2002, you had the call for a global tax to be paid to the United Nations. We'll get, I got a video here in a little bit. We'll see that. Uh, then 2002, you had, this is nice, the Fast Track Bill was approved that prevents Congress from changing or even having an extended debate on any trade agreement negotiated by the president. So even if you want to say, hey, stop it. This is outsourcing our jobs. It's destroying our economy and our power to produce. Oh, guess we gave up the right to do that. Interesting. That was kind of sneaky. 2003, proposals appear for credit card implants. Interesting. Uh, we'll get to that in a second. And a proposal in the same year to keep children safe with a microchip implant. And it can do all kinds of things. Even back in 2003, Roger Ebert was predicting the future we're headed towards. Check this out. This is crazy. Right now, my mind is telling my body to talk. And it's supplying my mouth with the words that I'm giving to you. And the mind could also learn to say to the chip, uh, go to a certain web page, download some information, and, so, and supply it to the inside of my you, you believe that you can act, you're going to be actually able to tell your mind through a chip to, to provide you with information that you can then speak. So on this program, this would be great for me. You put a little chip in there, and if I didn't know something, I could say to the chip, would I have to say it out loud or just think it? Uh, either way. Either I could way. just think yeah. it. Give me an answer. Right now, we're loaded up with bionic stuff already. I'm wearing glasses. I have fillings in my teeth. This is a wristwatch. I'm wearing clothing, which allows me to adjust to the climate as I go outside. So it's obviously only a matter of time until convergence allows us to match the number one uh, to uh, uh, tool of the next century, and that would be the computer chip. I mean, okay, so the computer are tools, chip, glasses are tools. Sure, but all of these are external. The computer should be in you, and that's what frightens me. Well, See, it that... could be in you, or it could be wherever you wanted it to be. And it would allow you to make uh, telephone calls without having a cell phone. Allow you to surf the web without having to monitor. Well, uh, show me how. Uh, so, if I had a chip embedded in my uh, in my yeah. head, I could make a telephone call by. You could just start talking. Call mom. Yeah. And mom would be, and I could and talk you would to just her. Say hello, mom. Uh, this and is. I wouldn't have a phone or anything. No. And so you'd have to have some body language so people would know what you were doing. <laughs> you, Let's you say you're you standing crazy. at the American Airlines terminal. Yeah. And you're calling the advantage desk and saying, "I've missed my flight. Do you have any seats at 10 o'clock?" Mm -hmm. Okay, if you're standing there saying that, somebody's going to look at you like you're one of these crazy... But not if everybody had the chip, they'd all know what was going on? Well, but you would do, do this. Right. You would oh, you go there to a little this phone. This means I'm not just talking to myself, I'm talking on the phone. This and then sounds if you're, so... If you're reading the web on the inside of your eyeballs, yeah. it would look rude to people. It would look like I'm staring straight through you. But I'm not staring straight through you. I'm looking at the Fox News webpage, right? Mm -hmm. So how do I want people to know that? I would just go like this. You know, so we're going to have a whole sign language thing like about what we're This yeah. sounds so unbelievable. If I'm but downloading information. <laughs> <laughs> it, but it's true. 
It could happen. Things are converging so quickly, and computers I, are already such an amazing right. tool. But we've checked it out a little further uh, than your article, and the uh, scientists tell us that it is absolutely true and absolutely possible for a human being to be have a chip embedded in their system and to have many many things appear in their mind upon command so you would say uh, i need to know the name of the 18th president bing not only that i meet you and i call up your credit report while we're talking and eventually the time will come when a child is implanted with a little chip back here and will learn to control the chip in the same way that you learn to control your bodily functions and your voice and your movements. Wow, 2003. Folks, it continues to get even worse. Now pay attention to that because that's the point. What we're gonna see is they're gonna work towards a system called cradle to the grave. When, as soon as you're born, you're gonna get a chip implant is what they're producing, okay? 2004 biometric payments expanding to grocery and convenience stores. You know, just use your finger, just get away from that cash thing. You could use a body part to do it. Uh, you also had the same year, microchip and global satellite firms reached an agreement. Let's help get this technology to go anywhere in the world. Uh, 2004, the president of France calls for a global tax. 2005, the Bank of International Settlements, they call for a global currency. 2005, you got this next guy. It's the FTAA, the Free Trade Agreement of the Americas. It's going to provide free trade for the whole Western Hemisphere. Each time they do this, folks, it gets bigger and bigger and wider and wider until they're going to encompass the whole planet. Uh, 2005, oh, hey. I guess Ebert was right. A proposal for digital birth IDs uh, to be put into place. Uh, also, at the same year, a chief of police who received the Verichip implant advocates forced government chipping to buy and sell. Back in 2005, 2006, Verichip sells its, guess what? Three years later, the baby protection system. What a quinky dink. And they're in talks with the military. Wait till you see what they want to do with soldiers. Uh, 2006, the IMF wins powers to police the global economy. Uh, all of a sudden, you see this surge begin to take off. People voluntarily receiving microchip implants. We'll get to videos of that later. And then couples are actually receiving implants as a sign for their love for each other. It's the new thing. Isn't it great? I mean, everybody loves tattoos. Why not just get one of these things, right? Well, believe it or not, this couple did. Check this out. This is wild. This next story we have for you is kind of wild. You might call it uh, microchip commitment. A young man by the name of Emil Grafstra and Jennifer Tomlin, they are dating, have total access to each other's homes, cars, and computers. And they have that access by way of matching electronic microchips that are implanted under their skin. They're joining us this morning to, uh, well, to make you understand all of this, or to try to make me understand all of it. They're joining us from Vancouver, Canada, and I appreciate uh, your being with us. Uh, before we get to this, what this actual chip looks like, Emil, I want you to give me some demonstration. We have some videotape here of what you can do with this. For instance, I understand you can unlock your car door and open the door without ever putting a key in it. Yeah, actually, I can, you know, just walk up to the car, uh, present my hand to the sensor, which is just in the windshield of the car. Uh, it reads the chip ID and says, you know, okay, this is Amel, and then unlocks the car and disarms the alarm. And you can do the same thing with your front door? Uh, yeah, then I can come right in, and uh, there's a little sensor on the door. I place my hand up next to it, and it reads my ID and unlocks the deadbolt. And you can also, I understand you folks are sitting in front of a computer, you can also uh, turn on your computer this way? Uh, yeah, I can log in, so it authenticates me. So you meet this guy, Jennifer, and you start dating, and he tells you what he's done, and he suggests maybe you do the same thing. Uh, he wrote his book, and then after about a year of seeing all the cool projects, I decided to do it myself. And, and, and what are the future applications of this? I mean, I, pr I presume it'll be able to do more things than just open your... Uh, open your car door or your front door or log onto your computer. 
Yeah, there's a, the common theme is access control, but some people are matching profiles to it. So um, you get in your front door, but then like a home automation system knows that it's you and sets lighting and music and that kind of preference. And it's just, is it inserted under your skin with a needle? Um, yeah, the left hand was done with a scalpel, actually, and it was just placed under by a cosmetic surgeon. Uh, right hand was done with the same needle injector that's used on pets, actually. So this is something for the future. I can say, I can, you know, how does a couple commit to one another? Well, I'll put you on my front door in my micro. I suppose there will be a lot of future applications. Maybe we'll all have one of these under our skins uh, in time. Yeah, we will. Notice how, uh, folks, you think it's uh, science fiction, but people are not just getting the implants. They're already, he already called out the right hand, and they're already using it for a multitude of things. This is why I've said, even though the text says buy and sell, I think that's just a tip of the iceberg of what you're going to be able to do or not do unless you have this mark or this chip uh, inside your body. Let's continue on. You also had young shoppers want to pay with the chip in the skin. You know what I'm saying? This thing's, I can open my car door, my front door, my computer. Uh, I, can, I can Facebook my loved one. It's awesome. And now they want to pay with that is the trend. 2007, you got proposals for animal tags for people. Notice what he said. It's the same injectors they're using on pets. And hey, it works for Sparky when you can't find them. How about your loved one as well? Uh, 2008, hospitals began tagging babies with electronic chips uh, externally on these RFID tags, but they're wanting to go internally as well. We'll get to that, Lord willing, later. The World Economic Forum meets in Switzerland. Uh, 2008, also they say the global economy is at maximum danger and the International Monetary Fund says, hey, we've got to combine together uh, to keep our global markets from being destroyed. 2009, you think that the communist countries won't go along with this? Yes, they will. 2009, Russia says the world needs a new world currency. China says we got to have a new world currency. Uh, 2009, uh, Britain, former uh, Prime Minister Gordon Brown says a new world order is emerging from the current global economic crisis. He even admits it. Okay, 2009, protesters in Europe say, hey, we've got to get rid of money. Let's go cashless. Uh, 2009, the UN calls for a new global currency. 2010, Russia's president says, we are here to help bring about a new economic order. The IMF begins to talk about a global currency, same year. And listen to this, we made a watershed event, folks. Debit card spending cashless overtakes cash spending for the first time in history. Everybody wants an electronic. That's not by chance. We'll get to that in greater detail, Lord willing, later. The IMF predicts the new world order and wants to become the new global financial authority. And listen to this, 2011, the Vatican, of all things to put out as a promotion, they are calling for a global entity to oversee our global world's finances. Even they are involved in this for some reason. Let's take a look at that. Some are calling them radical ideas by the Catholic Church to fix the global economic crisis. Our own Lisa Sylvester reports. The division between the haves and the have-nots is a message long central to the Catholic Church. Now the Vatican is picking up on the momentum and speaking out against what it calls the idolatry of the market. For the first time, the Vatican has outlined what it sees as a moral fix for the problem of poverty, a proposal to create a new financial authority, including a global central bank and a new tax on global financial transactions. Globalization has made us all uh, in, in the same boat, and we're going to either sink together or, or we're going to prosper together. But we're only going to do that if we work together as a world community to deal with these issues. You might be wondering why in the world is the Catholic Church involved in this? Well, folks, again, we know as Christians we're headed towards not just a one-world economy, but a one-world government and a one-world religion headed up by the Antichrist and the false prophet. And so it's only natural you begin to see the world's religions and world's government and world's economy begin to intertwine. 
Okay, it's all going to be hijacked by the Antichrist. 2011, the head of IMF warns that unless the economies band together, we are risking losing a whole decade of financial recovery. We've got to do this. Uh, 2012, the U.S. has said we are headed over a fiscal cliff. Uh-oh, we're in trouble. 2012, Google launches this new wallet application uh, that provides the convenience of a single tap of one's phone to buy products and services. Isn't that nifty? We'll get to that, Lord one later. 2013, China shows uh, signs of becoming the new world's economic superpower overtaking us. Uh, and this year, folks, the U.S. and European Union launched talks to create a new free trade alliance. You thought the other ones were bad. Uh, that would be the most ambitious ever, encompassing half of the world's economic output and a third of the global trade. Notice how each one of those folks, starting with GATT, produces a bigger, wider, international trade conglomeration until they're eventually going to get to one. But here's the point, folks. Correct me if I'm wrong. You take a look at that chronological time frame. I'd say that somebody's not only serious about forming this one world economy, it sure looks like they've got pretty much everything they need to pull it off. How about you? Okay? And the Bible says, folks, that's the kind of society you're going to be having when you're living in the last days. But you might be thinking, come on, Pastor Billy, this is nuts. Once again, here you go. What did you go to? Wackyconspiracyguy.org? I mean, there's no way. This is insane, man. This is, this is wacky conspiracy stuff. There's no way that our leaders here in America would purposely undermine our country's monetary system and go along with this one world economy. I mean, that's not only insane, but it goes against the sovereignty of our nation and ultimately it's going to totally destroy us. Well, folks, once again, I hate to burst your bubble, but that brings us to the second proof we know we're headed for this one world economy is once again, they're using the same tactic, fear and manipulation. Fear and manipulation to get us, even here in America, to bow down to this global economy, okay? Folks, they're using the same tactic as we saw before with a one world government to pull off this one world economy. It's fear and manipulation. And again, it's common sense. They're not dumb. The Antichrist knows what he's doing. He knows that if you're going to now deceive the world, not just creating a one world government, but now a one world economy, you have to get everybody into a total panic, a total state of fear, even economically. Why? Because he knows the axiom. People are more apt to surrender the freedoms in a time of fear than in a time of peace, okay? He knows that about us. So here's the point. If you create a crisis, this time an economic one, a global economic one, then you can manage the global economic outcome. And then you can manipulate the people to do whatever you want. And folks, this is precisely what's been happening over the last several years, especially with that last economic crash. Everything is a crisis. We've got that healthcare crisis. We got a childcare crisis. We got a food crisis. We got a water crisis. We got a terrorist crisis. We got an environmental crisis. And haven't you been paying attention to that never ending dreaded economic crisis? It never seems to stop. It just don't turn around year after year. We're going further down. Oh, oh I know. We need some sort of global savior. We need some sort of global entity. We need some sort of global universal monetary system that will fix all these global economic ongoing problems so we can gain our prosperity back. Oh, who can help us? It's a ruse, just like we saw with the one world government. We have been corralled, snookered into crying out for what they want us to cry out for, okay? And you might, well, come on, does this tactic really work? Yeah. In fact, folks, I'm going to share a, a video of two British guys, and they admit that we have deliberately been pushed over the edge, and we're not coming back out of this one, okay? Uh, because they're going to form a one-world economy. Let's take a look. You tell me if we're going to come out of this one. Let's take a look. Okay, Roger, your special subject tonight is the economies of the European community. Mm. Your time starts now. Best of luck. Thank you. How much does Greece owe, Roger? Uh, $367 billion. Correct. And who do they owe it to? 
Mostly to the other European economies. Correct. How much does Ireland owe? 865 billion. Correct. And who do they owe it to? Other European economies, mostly. Correct. How much does Spain and Italy owe? One trillion dollars each. Correct. Who to? Mainly France, Britain and Germany. Correct. And how are Germany, France and Britain going, Roger? Well, they're struggling a bit, aren't they? Correct. Why? Because they've lent all these vast amounts of money to other European economies that can't possibly pay them back. Correct. So what are they going to do? They're going to have to bail them out. Correct. Where are they getting the money to do that, Roger? <laughs> That's a good question. I don't know the answer to that one. How much does Portugal owe? Hang on a minute. What was the answer to that earlier question? Just keep answering the questions, Roger. Where is Portugal going to get the money it owes to Germany if Germany can't get back the money that it lent to Italy? Just a minute. What was the answer to the previous question? The question was, how can broke economies yes. lend money to other broke economies yes. who haven't got any money because they can't pay back the money the broke economy lent to the other broke economy and shouldn't have lent it to them in the first place because the broke economy can't pay it back. You're wasting very valuable time, Roger. How much money does Spain owe to Italy? $41 billion, but where are they going to get it? Correct. What does Italy owe to Spain? $27 billion, but they haven't got it. They're broke. Correct. How can they pay each other if neither of them has any money? They're going to get a bailout, aren't they? Correct. And where's the money coming from for the bailout? That's what I'm asking you. Correct. Now that video would be funny if what? It weren't so true. Folks, I'm telling you, this whole thing has been created. You create a crisis, you can manage the outcome. We are not coming out of this one, and that's exactly what they want. Why? Because they know if we're going to bow a knee, even America, to this one world economy, you have to get people into a state of fear, even economic fear, ongoing, never-ending, seemingly ongoing economic fear. Why? Because that's when we'll surrender our freedom. They know exactly what they're doing. You create a crisis, an economic one, then you can manage the economy of the whole planet. And this is exactly what the United Nations and countries around the world, as we saw with the timeline, has been working on for decades, and they put the nail in the coffin in this last economic crisis. Right now, folks, there's already in plans for the total, absolute economic control of the whole planet. You already saw in the timeline. They already have the pieces in place. We have a G. How long did it take you to come up with this name? A World Bank right? The World Bank is in existence. It's the leading lender of money to the nations around the planet. But wait a second. If you're going to have a universal bank, you need a universal lending institution to oversee the dispersion of loans to the countries, right? Well, folks, that's the function of what you saw is called the International Monetary Fund. It oversees the world's financial system and even fixes the exchange rates. But wait a second. If you're going to have a universal lending institution, you need to have a universal money exchanger because you've got to fund all these different currencies into these different countries to be able to match, right? Well, folks, again, that's the function of SWIFT, the universal electronic banking system, which oversees all the monetary transactions on the planet to match the different currencies. Well, wait a second. If you're going to have a universal money exchanger, you better have in place a universal strong arm to punish those people who don't go along with your world banking system. Well, that's the function, folks, of the World Trade Organization. And they not only set the trading rules for the whole planet right now, but they punish countries, even the United States, they punish them with billion dollars fines for not obeying what they set out there. And so you put all this together, folks, correct me if I'm wrong, but again, these people are not just serious about forming a one world economy in our lifetime, but they're using fear and manipulation to get us even here in America to go along with it. That's how close we are. The third proof that we know we're headed for this one world economy, folks, is once again, hey, I'm not making this up. They admit it. The quotation proof. Lest you think, folks, that I really did get this from wackyconspiracyguide.org. 
okay? Uh, let's take a look at their own words, okay? And what I'm going to share with you, the quotes, folks, it isn't just quotes from these guys. These are specific quotes that came out within literally days or just a couple weeks of that last economic crash. They used that last economic crash as the nail in the coffin. They waited for this event. It's actually created, I believe, to say, hey, we have finally got to come together now to create this one world economy and a one world currency. Let's take a look at their own words. You tell me right after the crash if they didn't use this as the ultimate excuse. Gordon Brown, he's the former prime minister of England. He said right after that crash, folks, he said the international financial crisis has given world leaders a unique opportunity to what? To create a truly global society. Britain, the United States, and Europe are key to forging a new world order. Uniquely in this global age, it is now in our power to come together, listen, so that 2008 is remembered, not just for the failure of the financial crash that engulfed the world, no, we can together seize this moment of change in our world to create a truly global society, linking our economies together. Uh, uh, President Bush said this, it is essential right after the crash that we work together because we're in this crisis together. Together we will work to modernize and strengthen our nation's financial systems so we can help ensure this crisis doesn't happen again. We've got to do this. Uh, European Commissioner Manuel Barroso said, we need a new global financial order after that last economic crash. Right after it, folks. German Chancellor Angela Merkel said, it is time to rethink the world's financial system and prevent any repetition of this current crisis. We've got to just come together. Uh, former CEO of uh, Morgan Stanley, John Mack, he said, we need a new global body to oversee the financial crisis. Warning, it's nothing like he's ever seen before, so we've got to come together. Anybody starting to see a pattern here? They're using a crisis to create what they want. Okay, and this one's pretty clear. Timothy Geithner, he's the former president of the Federal Reserve. He says, we need, listen to this, direct quote, we need a new global monetary authority, a de facto global financial dictatorship operating across borders and forcing nations and corporations to register and adhere to strict monitoring and regulations. Wow. Okay, and world countries begin to say, we also need a one world currency, by the way. Okay, China, believe it or not, called for a new global currency after that and said uh, they want to control by the IMF and they're stepping up pressure to global leaders to change the financial system. We've got to change it now. Russia did the same thing. They called for a new international currency system and they want to overhaul the entire global financial order and introduce a new supernatural currency to avoid a future global financial crisis. United Nations, right after that, shocker, began proposing the biggest overhaul of the world's monetary system since World War II, and they're calling for a new global currency. And the banks, the world's largest group of banks, they're called the Institute of International Finance, it's 420 of them, they began calling for a one world global currency, and they encouraged a return to the IMF to create special drawing rights. You know, you have to go to them in order to buy and sell on a global entity. And that's so all the single global currency association called for, listen, the world to embrace a single global currency to be managed by a global central bank within a global monetary union. Under the rationale, quote, if the European monetary union could provide successfully stable currency to countries, why not a global monetary union for all countries? Yeah, how's that working out for you, European Union? So you're gonna put this on a global scale? Yikes, and they said this, unless you resist. They said, quote, we shall achieve this goal through education. And what's the key word there? Persuasion, interesting. Revelation 13 puts it, oh, we're gonna force you, we're gonna make you, we're gonna order you, you're gonna do it. You're gonna go along with this one world economy and a one world currency. And believe it or not, folks, they are calling for right now, 
Okay, this wasn't just way back when on that timeline. Right now they're calling for the first time a global tax for all countries to be paid to the United Nations, including the United States. Just when you thought you paid enough taxes, you ain't seen nothing yet. Check this out. Here's what they're calling for. Have you heard about this doozy? Because before Iran apparently blows up the world, the United Nations wants to hit up the world with a tax, actually lots of taxes, to cover everything from fighting climate change to fighting poverty. There's talk of a billionaire's tax, a global carbon emissions tax, even plans for a World Bank transaction tax. I have no idea what that one's for. But the fact that the White House apparently isn't saying boo about it, any of it, makes some wonder whether we in the United States should be worried about it. Former UK Parliament member John Brown says we should. He's here with me now. This is weird, but can the UN actually do this? Well, only if it's supported by the members. And of course, it's a, a most open, surprisingly open and aggressive bid for world government. But of course, it fits exactly with Obama's strategy, which he openly declares is redistribution of wealth from the successful to the less successful within the United States. But this goes a whole long step further. This is redistribution of American and European wealth to the third world. I mean, it's nasty enough to pay taxes for a huge government you think interferes with your life, but to pay and throw it around the whole world. But then there'll be no place to escape. Absolutely, and that's what they want. World government, no place to escape. Right now. For the first time in history, they're saying we need to pay a tax to a global entity, including the United States. Never heard that before. Oh, that's right, Al. That's what the Bible says would happen when you're living in the last days. Folks, this is all happening right now. It's not make-believe. It's happening before our very eyes. Okay, we're distracted with all kinds of things. This is what they're doing and working on behind the scenes. It's just happening to be happening now. And it's always the point is this. What more does God have to do to get our attention? God does not want us to go into the seven-year tribulation with this global economy and the mark of the beast system, and he certainly doesn't want a non-Christian to go to hell. And so this is why, out of love, he's given us 2,000 years in advance this knowledge that when you see this happening to the planet, you better wake up. It's called a one-world economy. And Jesus is always says, when you see these things take place, church, you need to stand up, lift up your heads, because guess what? Jesus Christ is coming back to get us. We need to be excited. We're so stinking bummed out because the economy keeps going down the tubes when the Bible says it's going to get worse. It's going to go global. It's going to go into an electronic banking system on a global scale, and you're going to be forced to take a mark during the seven-year tribulation. It's not going to get better. It's going to get worse. But praise God, the church, we're out of here, and we should be excited about that. Okay? And so as a Christian, this is the same point, guys, every single week. Then, therefore, it should be motivating. If ever there was a time to work together as God's team, not the enemy's team, we need to do it now. If ever there was a time, whether it's through VBS or a movie or our, what a concept, your mouth, we need to get busy sharing the gospel. You want people to go to this place? We have got to get busy working together. But that's not all. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, I beg you, please, how much more does God have to do to get your attention? This mark of the beast uh, system, this one world economy is satanically inspired. You don't want to be there. Let's remind ourselves, folks, where it is headed. It's not just the economies coming together. He's going to tie it into your body. This is what the text says. Let's look at it again. Revelation 13, verse 16 through 17. He also forced, he didn't just put the economies together. Here's the end game. He forced everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on his where? Right hand or on his forehead. 
Why? So that no one could buy or sell unless he had that mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of his name. The Bible says if you're still around at the seven-year tribulation, at one point, the Antichrist is going to hijack the whole system, all the religions, all the government, all the economies, and then he's going to force you, he's going to make you take this chip into your hand or your forehead, and you cannot do anything monetarily without it. And if you're out there scoffing, like I used to, and say, well, if that thing's a long ways away, we see no sign of anybody. I mean, who would do that? That's crazy. Who would take some sort of mark into their body to make payments? We don't see any signs of that, do we? Well, folks, if you think that's still long, far off, and we're not that close, you tell me what these nightclubbers are doing right now in Europe. You tell me how they're making payments. Let's take a look at that at the Baja Beach Club in Rotterdam, Holland. This may look like a regular party, but it's no normal club. The Baja has an elite group of special VIPs who are different from other clients. They need no identification and no cash to buy drinks or food. To enter the club, all they have to do is offer up an arm to a scanner. And tonight, 21-year-old Ryoni Shuten will be joining the in-crowd. He's getting an electronic chip implanted in his arm. It's called radio frequency identification. An RFID chip is a small device that transmits a radio signal that's read by a scanner. In 2003, the Attorney General of Mexico and some of his staff received RFID implants inside their bodies to allow them access to sensitive areas. Each tiny chip has a number. A scanner connected to a database can instantly reveal who the person is and much more. Technically, there's no limit to the information the database can hold. This is the needle with which I'm gonna implant the chip. The chip itself is little larger than a grain of rice it will remain inside Rioni's body for the rest of his life. The chip is implanted just millimeters below the skin. If it goes in too close to the muscle, the muscle could be damaged and Rioni will feel the chip when he moves. If all goes well, he won't even know it's there. is over in seconds and now it's time to party although others have to pay cash at the entrance when Ryoni arrives his name and number instantly identify him as a VIP member of the club he makes his way to the VIP deck and uses his implant to buy a drink Baja is a glimpse of a not-so-distant future. Already, some people have chips with critical health information. Some think that soon everyone will have a chip that will identify them and allow a new form of surveillance. And a new form for the history, for the first time in the history of mankind, to make monetary payments. 
Folks, this is all happening now. For the first time in our history, we have people not just receiving a mark into their bodies. For the first time in mankind's history, we not only have the technology to pull off the mark of the beast on a global scale, but for the first time in our history, in our lifetime, right now as we sit here, people are already doing it. That's how close we are. And so the point is here, if you're not saved and you're here today, you need to get saved right now. Don't be left behind. Amen? Let's pray. Well, hi, this is Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church, and I hope you enjoyed today's study. But before you go, let me ask you one final question. Are you sure that if you were to die today, that you go to heaven and not hell? Before you answer that, let me share a couple things with you. Did you know that the Bible says that God is holy and that we are not? And the Bible also says that the wages of our sin or our unholiness is death. In other words, when we die, and it's coming for each one of us, we're all marching towards the grave at different speeds, but it's going to happen. The Bible says, therefore, since the wages of our sin is death, we deserve to die and go straight to hell and not to heaven. And that's bad enough, but to make matters worse, we don't want to admit this. God already knows. He knows uh, all of our behavior, everything, our thoughts, what we've done, what even we're going to do. He knows it all. He's gone. Even though he already knows this, we don't want to admit this. And so out of love and mercy, God gave us something called his law or the Ten Commandments. It's kind of like his x-ray into our heart to show us what he already knows, that he is holy and that we are not. And it's this unholiness or sin that separates us from him. Let's take a look at God's x-ray, if you will, his divine law, to show us what he already knows. The Ten Commandments, uh, the ninth one, says this, you shall not bear false witness. Okay, that's called lying. Okay, and if you've ever told a lie once, which we all have, myself included, the Bible says that makes you a liar. Okay, the, the, another commandment says you shall not steal. Okay, uh, and you might think, well, that's something that everybody does. Well, it doesn't make it right, and it demonstrates what God is trying to show us, that uh, we all have sin, and it's separating us from him. Even if you took a pencil in the third grade from somebody, if you did it without permission, that's stealing. And so now you've become a thief. The Bible says that you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. And how interesting it is and unfortunate that the only name under heaven by which men might be saved, the name Jesus Christ, has now become a common cuss word. The Bible says that God is so holy that even his name is holy. If you've taken the Lord's name in vain and used it as a cuss word or even flippantly, the Bible calls that the sin of blasphemy. And so now you become a blasphemer. The Bible says you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus says if you even look at another person with lust in your eye, you've committed adultery in your heart. And finally, the Bible says uh, you shall not murder and you might think, well, hey, I haven't done that one. Really? Well, again, the Bible says that the sin of hatred is the same as the sin of murder. The only difference is you pulled the trigger, if you will, in your heart. You wish they were dead. And in God's eyes, it's the same thing in principle. Folks, that's only just a couple of the Ten Commandments. We didn't even go through all of them. But I think you're starting to get the picture. The Bible is correct. We have all fallen short of the glory of God, myself included, and that we are separated from God as a result. And so when our time comes, we're not automatically going to heaven. 
We are headed for judgment. We are headed for hell. Now let me tell you the good news. The good news is that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to save us. Jesus Christ died on the cross. It was the death penalty of its day. He paid in full uh, the price for our sins to be forgiven. Let me give you an analogy. For instance, even today, we could see that a person could commit a crime. Uh, they, they cannot reverse it. The, the sentence has been passed. The judge has uh, slammed his gavel, and they are ushered off into their jail cell. And in this particular crime, they are going to receive the death penalty. And so they're behind bars just waiting for the time, waiting for the call for them to go and uh, receive the death penalty. But believe it or not, as we know, there is a way that a person can get off a death row. And that is if the one in authority, the governor, would grant them a pardon. Now, they didn't earn it. Uh, they certainly don't deserve it. And there's nothing they could do uh, to earn it because nothing can reverse their crime. Okay? Yet the one in authority has that ability to grant them a pardon. Well, can I tell you something? That's what God has done through Jesus Christ. The cross was the death penalty of the day. God sent his one and only son to die on the cross, to take the death penalty in our place, and that if we would just receive his pardon for all of our sins, God is willing to allow us to get off a death row. He's willing to forgive us completely of all of our sins. That's the good news that I want to share with you. God loves you. The Bible says that God is not willing that anyone should perish, but everyone come to repentance. Won't you, if that's you, call upon the name of Jesus Christ right now? Won't you ask him to forgive you of your sins? The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Won't you do that now, wherever you are? Please, take God up on his amazing, loving offer. I'll let you down. Man will let you down. People will let you down. But God never will. He wants to adopt you into his forever family. He loves you. He's willing to forgive you of anything and everything you've ever done, past, present, and future. It's amazing. Please, call upon Jesus now. Well, this has been Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church. If there's anything that we can do for you, please don't hesitate to ask. Our number and information will come up here on the screen here shortly. And remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless. Thank you for watching this presentation from Sunrise Baptist Church. If you would like to send us a letter or any other kind of postage, you can reach us at 1780 Betty Lane, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89156. For more information, you can give us a call at 702-452-8599 or email us at bcrone at getalifemedia.com or you can visit our website at www.getalifemedia.com. Billy Crone and this ministry can also be found on Facebook and Twitter. Join us for services at www.sunriselv.com.